HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Open Table is a proud sponsor of Heritage Radio Network. For more information, visit their blog, Open for Business, at openforbusiness.opentable.com. Hi, this is Celia Kutcher, host of Animal Instinct, and you are listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer, and we are coming to you live from Roberta's Restaurant in Bushwick, Brooklyn. It is Wednesday, June 8th. This is the 109th episode of this series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talents in the hospitality industry. Today, my guest is the founder of a friendly, pork-centric culinary competition, and I will introduce him in a moment. First, as I do on every show, I will start out with my PR tip. Later, we will have my speed round game, industry news discussion, solo dining experience, and the final question. As the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. So today's tip is to choose your own adventure. Yes, life is a trip and it is up to you which direction to go. You can take a more traditional course or dare to be different and go off the beaten path. Whatever you choose, do what feels right to you. It's your life. So live large and follow your dreams. That's my tip today. Now, today I have a special guest calling in to the studio. It is Brady Lowe. He's the founder of Koshan 555. Brady has been on a mission to remind us what true pork tastes like. In each of the 10 cities on its annual tour, Koshan 555 focuses on five chefs, five heritage breed pigs, and five winemakers to promote breed diversity and whole animal utilization. The tour concludes at the Food and Wine Classic in Aspen with the Grand Cochon, a season finale that is likened to the Super Bowl of all swine events. So welcome, Brady. Hi. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for joining me today. Where, where yeah, I'm excited. I was going to ask, where are you? I'm in Atlanta. Oh, wow. Cool. <laughs> um, 
Um, yeah, no. So thank you for coming on. I'm excited to talk with you and, and learn all about Kushan 555, which I have been to um, a few times of the year. So um, I wanted to start out with with your background and how, how what you were doing before you founded this this culinary event. Yeah, before, um, I mean, I started out doing, you know, gosh, that's a great question. Um, eating a lot and reading a lot of books growing up. I was uh, just kind of an enthusiast for everything tasty. And um, before I started Koshan, I left college and moved to Atlanta, Georgia to get into marketing and advertising, which I didn't find to be that exciting of an industry for me at that time, um, being full of ideas and the hunger for food and drink. So I started uh, working in a restaurant um, and worked at Buckhead Life and learned some 90 points of service. And then I was there for a couple of years and was about to become a wine buyer for uh, the beverage program there. and. You know, it was like an overlook, like $2 million worth of amazing wines at this cool steakhouse. And I just realized that wasn't kind of what I wanted to do. So I started doing wine and cheese education. And that was really kind of the, the six years of my life where I taught people in home and in galleries and did pop-up events all over the city before pop-up events were really a thing. I was just doing anywhere I could get space. I was doing wine and cheese classes and teaching people about small boutique wines and boutique cheeses. And it just blossomed into dinners at people's homes and working with chefs. And then somehow Koshan 5 by 5 happened as one of the events that I was dreaming up as something I'd want to go do. So, like, as an idea that you were dreaming up, because you were in wine and cheese, like, how did you then get into the pigs and the pork. I mean, what was, it was just an idea you had and you just, and when you, when you had it, how did you launch? You just did a a one-time event thinking it would be a one-off? Well, so there's, um, there's kind of a couple stepping stones that pulled me out of wine and cheese. One of them would be that I was doing, um, I was doing these wine and cheese classes, right? So I go to people's homes, and then they say, hey, you do such a great job. Can you come to an event for us? And I'd have to come up with all these different kind of programming ideas for events to make them very educational and experiential. And one of the ideas I had was to do this whole pig event, um, but nobody could, like, I mean, it was was a big event, so nobody, like, really had seen anything like that, that size in Georgia before. So it was kind of falling on deaf ears, and at the same time, I was starting to get me kind of interested in pigs. I really learned about the word husbandry in the cheese industry, and that was really kind of that 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 turning point where, you know, husbandry around making cheese is really important because you want the best animals, you want them to be healthy if something falls down with illness, you take it out of population, you bring it back to health, you back into population so your milk doesn't get tainted and you're not putting, you know, like antibiotics and, you know, and those kind of deals into the food system. So I started learning about husbandry and then 
that I started learning about how that happens in the fish industry, in the pig industry, in the cow industry. And I just realized that there was nobody really doing any education on pigs, of heritage breed pigs, but there was everybody doing something about artisan cheese. I mean, Whole Foods was just starting to like really blow up with their big cheese islands. Right. And nobody really knew what was going on there. Wines were there. There was a bunch of wine salesmen. I didn't want to be a wine salesman. And I was already doing like the marketing of education. And I just realized that there was this niche to really jump hold and go after teaching chefs and consumers about heritage breed pigs. And then at the back base side of that, I knew that there was going to be a win for the farmers, you know, because the more I promote it, the more sales that they would get. And it was easy to gauge success, you know, for the farmers because you could see it on the menus and you could see it on the faces of the consumer. So I learned that husbandry element. Um, I had been doing larger style. And then we also had a, um, a call, like a program called Foodie that I was building. I was doing like a, an event-based marketing monthly program and we were signing up chefs and all the chefs wanted to get on board and they all wanted to do pig events every month. And I was like sitting in a meeting, I was like, chef was signing the dotted line for the retainer. And I was like, I can't do five pig events a month. And that's where it really just all kind of came together. And I was like, oh, we'll do the, the idea for 555 came into mind for five chefs, five pigs, five winemakers. And I basically created it. And that's kind of where the impetus it all started in 2008. Wow. Well. Um, um, I think I think it's 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 incredible that you've you've it's where it's come to now. I, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but let's let's keep going at a little slower pace. So, can you explain to someone who doesn't know how the competition works? It's 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 a nose to tail competition, and and you you know the elements of getting the five chefs and and how you go about selecting them and 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 how the competition actually plays out for someone who's never attended one of these events yeah for sure yeah i mean it's pretty it's pretty simple at heart you know the concept is five chefs and five pigs and each chef gets one whole hair from a family farm locally so we try to find five chefs in the city we go to 10 cities a year and we host these really fun competitions and they're just it's really even though it's a competition it's really about promoting safe family food um so each chef gets seven to cook a whole heritage breed pig and show up to an event and serve it for like 500 guests and in that application we have guests who are looking for the best fight of the day to vote on and we have judges who are looking to vote on different technical scales and when we're trying to find the chefs to compete so for example like i have to come to new york every year so we start the delightful process of going through menus looking at uh rated lists see who's buying whole animals we talk to farmers see who's buying whole animals um, we can read it on menus. We read press. Uh, people reach out to us. Chef advisors give us ideas of who we should reach out to. We invite a chef. He says, I can't do it, so, but you should check out this guy or this girl. And, you know, like, 
It's really been kind of a word of mouth and research of each city from the ground up of who's helping promote the, the good food movement. And that's what Heritage Street Pigs are pretty much synonymous for is like safe, responsible eating um, from, you know, family farmers who are making them and working really hard to put that food on the plate. So what we do is we try to give each chef a different species. So when you look at Heritage Street Pigs, you've got Ossabaws and Large Blacks and Berkshires and Red Waddles. And if I was a chef and I was asked to compete in Cochon Fire 5, one of the questions that we get as part of the interview is to what breeds do you work with and what farmers do you work with? And what we try to do is we swap them so everybody's got an even playing field. So in some day, if a, a farmer gets wiped out, then they have a new relationship to go to so they can continue to keep. So there's a little bit of tactic in trying to get chefs to work with new breeds and new farmers at each event. Yeah, so, no, that's interesting. I didn't know you did that. Yeah, because it'd be so easy to like just call up, you know, one farm source and just be like, hey, can we get five pigs for the event? My job would, I mean, one, I would have one person on my team who wouldn't have a job because we buy about 100 grand worth of pigs a year. And it's a lot of work to find different pigs for each chef that they've never worked before and different species for the event. But then again, like how many farms would we not work with? So we work with like 350 farms a year in conversation, even though about 120 of them show up to the event. Right. Well, that's cool. So last week I had on Adam Leonti from the Bread Lab, and I asked him to ask you a question. And he wanted to know, how is Koshan 555 environmentally conscious? So that's part of the tagline. I think you're kind of playing into that, but... Um, because he and this is I mean, he knew about the competition, but he didn't he didn't know, like, everything that you, you stood for. Yeah, from an environmental standpoint, there is no fluff at the event. We're really trying to focus on farmers who are raising animals who are doing it with purpose and passion. They're trying to stand for a cause and a reason cause and reason is amplified through the event. So the way that we come into a city is we start to harvest the topsoil of everybody who is enriching the community, and we take this really stunning cast, and then we just amplify it on a Sunday afternoon, and then the whole thing is all about handshake culture. And it's really a hard you know, system to explain sometimes until somebody comes and sees it two or three times, even as a farmer or as a chef, but when it takes hold that this is like a networking opportunity to build business for the good food movement, then they, they just grab into it and they're like, this is the best thing for our business because we go and we meet 15 different people. I mean, how many people ask me a week for farms or chefs or butchers and from providing a service and just sending people in different directions, we're really kind of meeting an environmental need. And I think over the last eight years, if you were to look at it from a digital perspective, when Patrick and I from Heritage Foods got on the phone and he was telling me about the radio and like what was gonna happen, and 
I was talking about Koshan for my five. Since that day, think of how many times that you guys have talked about Koshan my five on air. Or, I mean, I've been interviewed by the radio a few times. But how many times when we started, it was like maybe 200,000 media hits in the first year, and now we're over 1 billion. So all we're talking about is heritage breed pigs, which turns into a conversation that someone can jump online and go to Heritage Foods USA and buy it and put it into their into their home. And that's really what it's about is just creating a, an experience for people to buy safe food. So it's, it's layered. It's not the easiest question, but a good one. Yeah, no, you explained it well. And it is, it's wonderful that we, yeah, we have that connection in the Heritage Foods and Heritage Radio and Heritage Pigs and it's all good stuff. Um, and on that note, we're going to take a little break. So don't go anywhere, Brady, and don't go anywhere, everyone listening. We'll be right back. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. Table is a proud sponsor of Heritage Radio Network. Open Table is home to the world's largest dining network, seating over 17 million diners every month. Their technology solutions help restaurants run and grow their businesses. That means providing memorable hospitality to every guest, streamlining front of house operations, and optimizing seating to seat more diners and drive more business. Chefs, restaurateurs, and other industry professionals can find more tips and best practices for running a successful restaurant on their blog, Open for Business at Open for Business. Okay, welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Brady Lowe, the founder of Koshan 555. So, Brady, with the events now, you go on tour, I know. Um, so how do you select the 10 cities that you're going to be going to over the year? Are you there? We look for por- okay. Yeah, we, we look for porky cities. Uh, porky cities. Buying, you know, like <laughs> epicenters for, for slow food and epicenters for champions who are buying from farmers markets and stuff like that because that's our customers and so it becomes um it becomes population based for example if we came to new york i mean you know the size of new york i mean we're taking um, for 225 tickets to sell we don't sell out quickly it's crazy but you know you look at um, the population, and that's the percentage of people. I mean, it's a very small percentage when you look at what um, is happening in the heritage breed pig market. I mean, heritage breed pigs represent less than a half a percentile of overall pork population, which is about the same percentile that I look for in a city when I look to sell tickets and find the people who are going to support it. So, one, you've got to have chefs. And you got to have farms, so you got to have the cookers and the the, the makers, mm-hmm. and then those chefs. You got to look on their menus, and you look for a city that has 
five to ten chefs because if you go to a city and there's only five chefs who know how to work a full animal, well, you can only go for one year, and then you're just doing a one-off. But if you go to a city that has 20 chefs cooking whole animals, chances are you can go for three to four years because those restaurants are going to breed new chefs under the executive chefs who are going to continue to use that practice, which is going to continue to buy food. So you're looking for these wheelhouses that are just continually grinding out amazing, uh, one, butchers who know how to work with whole animals, who can process whole animals coming from small farms. So you look for these little triggers or these flags so people will, you know, pretty right. much like be able to sustain you for a couple of years. Yeah, well, I mean, I remember going to an event years ago. It was at, I think it was at Pier 60 was a location you did it at. And this last year I was at the one in Brooklyn, right, in, in Williamsburg. And it was like the day after we had that major snowstorm up here. So did that, that how did you manage that? Um, I mean, was that did that make it much more difficult to get everything you needed? Because it was, I mean, that was that. It was really, it was a close call, right? To to even calling it off. Yeah, I mean, we were freaked out. You know, I mean, the whole <laughs> city was on shutdown, and you know, I mean, the one year we did at Pier sixty, and half my team couldn't even fly in, and sponsors were calling in. The unique thing about this this last year was. It just, it was crazy. Like, you just stopped <laughs> snowing at midnight. Like, yeah. I, was in, I was in the hotel room after having, like, the best bowl of ramen, and it was, like, midnight, and they said the snow was going to stop, and the snow stopped. And I just have been in New York enough times when they've shut the city down and it becomes a complete mess that I just had faith. And everyone was like, are you going to call it off? And I was like, no way. Like, we're going to have the biggest, best party tomorrow. And I think we did. And it was just, you know, I think we're, I think we're here for a reason. And, you know, I think you just kind of push forward and, you know, stay, stay persistent. But yeah, it was, it was a nerve wracking um, couple of days going into that, I can imagine. But it, it was a, a, a fantastic event, and it was it was fun trekking out even to get there in the snow. And it felt, I don't know, I felt like I was even on a mission just attending, you know, to get there. Um, uh, it was great. And then you have Billy Harris um, emceeing for you, right? Yeah, exactly. So he's an awesome addition this year because it just brings a new level to the stage and you know I don't have to be up there out the whole time because I've for eight years I've emceed and I want to I want to break I want to see the event from a different level you know and he's awesome he does a lot of great work and have him on board is, is, is a good benefit to uh the whole cause yeah no I agree he does an amazing job um so you're coming up next next week it's already here koshan heritage fire in aspen snowmass so this is this is like the finale i mean this is like how so everyone who's won the competitions of the over, over the year they come and it's like the the final round is am i describing it correctly <laughs> yeah well so heritage fire is basically the opening party for grand koshan grand koshan is the one where Angie Marr is coming to, right? So Angie will be representing New York. we got nine other chefs around the country. 
doing Grand Crusade. That's on Saturday, and that's the competition. And okay. Fire is just a celebration event. I get 50 chefs and their teams, and I give them 3,000 pounds of animals and three cords of firewood and some steel, and I guide them through the best ways of cooking that animal, those animals whole. So it's all about whole everything, head on fish, feet on ducks, head on chickens, feet on sturgeon. Like everything has to have its fins or gills or everything, you know. So it's big meat, um, very primitive cooking. Lots of fun. Okay, cool. Well, I'm going to be out there for, I'm going out for Aspen Wine and Food Festival. So, um, Oh, sweet. Yeah, no, I'm excited. I haven't been there and been out to, to this festival in a couple of years, but, um, yeah, I'm excited to be out there. So hoping to, to come by, come by your events and, and check it out. Cause as I said, I've been to New York ones, but I've never been anywhere on the road with you. <laughs> oh, you'll totally love it. We're doing this. Um, we're debuting. We always debut some cool stuff at Aspen. Um, and Snowmass, and this year we're debuting these uh, this fire sale for piggy bank. So we do these three hundred dollars, basically three hundred dollars steaks, and we put them on a big cutting board, bottles of wine, this really cool custom knife, and we raffle them off. So you could like for a couple hundred bucks buy like five hundred dollars worth of swag from the event and a big steak, and go in the grass and just eat a meatball. You know, just eat a big a big piece of meat with three friends and have a ball. <laughs> it's really it's really going to be a fun event, so we're super stoked. You'll love it. Exciting. No, I'm excited. I am very excited. So what about tell me about the piggy bank. What what is that? What's its mission? The mission is to have a farm where you know, it's a it's a 501 and basically have a farm that's a charity. In Missouri, it's actually the Newman Farm. Uh, we're right across the road, and you basically have 10 different heritage breed pigs living side by side, like a Noah's Ark. You know, imagine like Noah's Ark, and if everybody was on the Ark for a really long time, and all those purebred babies were coming off the Ark, we're going to give all those babies and offspring away for free to new farmers. And the goal for the new farmers to get these $10,000 starting kits is all they have to do is write a business plan. And then we take that business plan, we grade it, we approve it, they get their $10,000 worth of the pigs, and we put the business plan online, and we tell people who got the pigs, and then if someone needs to go buy those pigs later on, but we're just going to give away 600 pigs a year in exchange for business plans and basically start a online directory for small farmers who need business plans to grow while also kickstarting farms with $10,000 worth of pigs. About 100, there'll be about 150 of those recipients a year. So start new farms and give them business plans, which I think is going to solve a lot of problems in our food system. Wow. When did, when did you start this, or is it, is it new this year? Uh, September of last year, but it's about a three-year project. Well, that's so really we, cool. Yeah, we, we kicked it out last year, and so far this year, we started raising money, like, at the first event, um, the snowstorm party, and we have raised about 100 grand so far, and we've got about another 175 to go. So every year, I'll raise that money as kind of my commitment to, 
you know, kind of putting this heritage breed pig conversation out there. That's kind of what my legacy will be. So giving free pigs away every year and getting people business plans and making people eat and drink merrily. Well, I approve. So good for you. No, it's it's really great. Okay, now we're going to take one more. Well, we have a couple breaks in the show, but our second break, and then we're going to come back and we are going to do my speed round game and talk some industry news. So stay with us. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Brady Lowe, the founder of Koshan 555. Brady, it's time for my speed round game. Are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> okay, I'm going to name a couple of things. It will be an either-or choice, and you just pick your preference. So here we go. Eat in or eat out? Oh, uh, in. Okay. Wine, beer, cocktail, or mocktail? Oh, coffee mocktail. Coffee mocktail or cocktail? Dude, it's going to come next year. It's going to be big. Coffee mocktail? Coffee mocktail. I'm going to make it happen. It's awesome. Well, we should talk about that because I'm not a drinker, so I'm interested. <laughs> but I'm a drinker oh of coffee. <laughs> the service industry. All right. All right. We're, well, we'll have to, yeah. I'm I'm intrigued. Okay, how about um, tasting menu or a la carte? Oh, a la carte. Unless you just don't have a menu, which I consider a tasting menu. No menu, but I like a la carte. Okay. Small plates or large plates? Large plates. Communal table or chef's counter? Chef's counter. How about tipping or all-inclusive charge? Oh, tipping. Pre-event work or post-event work? Neither. (laughs) Or during, during event work. None of the above. Celebration of chaos. Okay. Um, I would say pre-event. Okay. How about Miss Piggy or Porky the Pig? I know, That's it's a, a really tough one. To eat, or what are we doing with them? I don't know, they're just, they're just, they're, they're just people, or pigs. They're actually pigs, they're not people. You to go pick- out and have a drink, Mr. Piggy, <laughs> to eat Mrs. Piggy. Okay. <laughs> Two more, cheese plate or dessert? What was that? Cheese plate or dessert? Cheese plate. Yeah, I figured you'd go in that direction. 
And I have uh, Manhattan or Brooklyn, and I'll throw in Atlanta, too. Preference? Ma- Manhattan, Brooklyn, or, or Atlanta? Atlanta. Cool. I'm due for a trip down to Atlanta. I haven't been there in a really, really long time, and I've heard the, the dining scene is, is blowing up. Oh, I would love to take you out if you come down here. Okay. I will take you up on that. <laughs> we will have we will have coffee mocktails forever. I I'm 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 coming. I'm gonna book my plane. Well, when you're ready, you tell me with the coffee mocktail when you're ready. Okay. I'm always ready. Just just think about it. the whole industry is ready for the coffee mocktail. They've got the mixtures, the tinctures. They've got the the infused syrups. Everything, and they've got cold brew. It's just about to happen. Bartenders need something new at the end of the night. And I'll spend extra money on a $9 on a, or $8 on a really good, well-constructed coffee mocktail at the end of the meal. So nice. All right. That's awesome. I'm sold. So that was the game. You did very well. It's t- Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. Yeah. Like score. Was there like a score? Or? Well, unofficially, my father <laughs> does now have his own scoring system that he, 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 he's been doing um, – so I, I don't know. I don't know. I just leave that to him. It's pretty fun. Um, but I have a feeling you're going to score high. <laughs> okay. So it's time for industry news. So um, article this week in Grub Street, Italy and Daniel Holmes Nomad will open Las Vegas locations by Sierra Tischgart. So this is talking about how the Monte Carlo Resort and Casino in Las Vegas is getting a major $450 million makeover and that New York City's Nomad and uh, Mario Batali's Italy are going in there. Um, so I think that's, you know, pretty, pretty big news in the restaurant world that those brands are going there. And I went out to Vegas last year just to to restaurant hop because I think there's there's so much happening there in the food scene and I feel like this is just adding more to it. Um, what, any thoughts on, on this? Yeah, I think it's, I think that's um, I think that's a baby of the good food movement. You know, you have two brands that are at top of the game right now and there's a lot of interest in the food industry and people are you know, moving money from sports industry to food industry, and it's hot. You know, there's a whole curve um, and arc that's taking place, and to see those two brands open up and to connect like that, it's really kind of inspiring because it, it kind of sheds an umbrella for a lot of people to say, like, well, if two star powers can get together like that, why can't we? And I think it inspires more collaboration. So I, I, I think it's a big thing. I think Monte Carlo definitely needs a, 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 a <laughs> yeah. You know, and I think this is going to be a cool industry. The only thing I think that might be kind of hard is, um, you know, both of those brands represent some type of slow, sustainable or local kind of aspect. And, that doesn't exist in Vegas. It's a it's a desert. So, um, well, I, I was going to ask you. Yeah, I was going to ask you. Have you done Have you done a Cushion Five 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 in Vegas? Has that been a city? Yeah, 
yeah, it's just it's it's one of those things. It's just not sustainable. Like they have one or two farmers market, and when we went, they, their farmers markets are really bare, and they're not. They're like candles and pickles and stuff. It's like it's really hard, and the the chefs who you can't really buy a whole hog because everything has to be on a a specific type of invoice to go through the counting systems there, and it's crazy. Like like the Vegas mafia doesn't want small farmer Joe to come in the back door with a pig, you know? So it creates a lot of challenges when we were trying to do the event. But yes, we did one a few years ago. We helped uh, open the Cosmopolitan oh, cool. uh, when they opened their doors. And we did an all-star Kashan there. And then we did, a, we took a year off and then we went back a year later and did another all-star Kashan. And we're always looking to go back, but you have to buy everything from all over. Yeah, well, when I was out there, I stayed at the Cosmopolitan. It's 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 awesome hotel, and um, well, maybe you'd buy all your stuff from Italy. <laughs> that would be very yeah. expensive, though, too, right? Um, it will be interesting to see. Um, well, this project um, isn't. I think it's set to open in two thousand, the fall of two thousand seventeen. So, I guess I'll have to plan another trip out to Vegas after that. See what's happening. Other, oh, right. Cool. Well, we have two plans now. So <laughs> another article. So this is a recently in the Wall Street Journal. It was called How to Rank Restaurants by Jay Cheshes. It's one of my favorite writers, Jay. And uh, he, he talked about uh, the subtitle is In a Crowded Field, Choosing a best of list on which to base your reservation can be a maddening exercise. Here's a handy breakdown of the restaurant rankings currently carrying weight. So he went on to explain the different, the different rating systems for restaurants out there. There's the world's 50 best lists. There's La List. There's Eater does their national Eater 38. Bon Appetit has their list. And then as we know, Food and Wine has their best new chef list, which we celebrate in Aspen next week, and they, they're actually the one on the list that's been doing it the longest since 1988. Um, I don't know. It's interesting. I mean, do you, do you have any, what's your take on lists, and, and do you follow, is there one of these or any, something different that you you use as your, you know, your go-to for, for restaurants, or do you not use lists at all? Uh, I use, I mean, I'm on list every other day, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's it's a unique one. I'm just referencing for, you know, kind of the up-and-comings. I'm always looking for new names and, you know, fresh faces, people in the under 30 who are kind of trailblazing. And, you know, it's very unique to see kind of this article kind of throw out, well, is it anonymous or should there be some kind of, you know, crystal clear waters of how people are selected? And I'm a big fan of transparency. So if, if you haven't eaten there and you can't speak about it openly, then I think it's kind of a, I, I don't follow those lists as closely. Um, you know, and I like seeing people give reviews and kind of stand up for, for the restaurant. So like Eater 38 I like because they always – refreshing it um and they're just good little synopsis and i think they do a good job of just putting cities on maps and yeah i think i think lists are good i tried doing one for a top 100 whole animal restaurants and it's hard you know it's 
it's, it's a lot of management to, to kind of curate and collect information and then present it fairly. I mean, every year we do it with the Koshan. I mean, we're selecting the top, hopefully the top 50 whole animal chefs to compete um, to find the best 10 to take the top one, you know, next week. So it's, it's a challenge. Yeah, no, I could see that. And yeah, I think, I think they're, you know, I, I mean, I, I read or observe all of these and I think they're, they're good, you know, um, you know, good guidelines. And the other one that's, well, it's getting a lot of attention this week is the world's 50 best list is their list comes out on Monday and they, they're doing the award ceremony in New York and they've always done it in London. So it's going to be a big deal this coming weekend. And here and I mean that's anonymous voters and um, but people take that list very seriously the you know the top 50 and just yesterday yesterday they released their they also do a back 50 so they do 51 to 100 and there was there were articles talking about the the people who are on the 51 to 100 because if they were in that category, some people dropped out of the one to 50. And then, you know, it was just it was interesting seeing that there was a dialogue going on about about this, like back 50 list um, in anticipation of the front 50. Uh, so um, I don't know. And then some people I know don't 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 like this list. And then some people think it's, you know, the everything. So um it will be interesting to see who comes out on top, I guess. Yeah, I, I, like, I like looking at it, but, you know, it, it is. It's tough to, um, to kind of see who should be there and, and why. And then the part that always gets me kind of under the skin is when you start seeing all the comment boards of people talking about it. Right. And it gets them their skin boiling a little bit. And I'm like, that's the hard part where people start to, you know, get competitive and challenge like oh that person shouldn't be on there and we shouldn't have dropped out yeah you know people can be very mean in comments i don't like about them that's just the nature of that Mm -hmm. business this list business you know yeah true well lists are lists so that is the news this week we're gonna take one more break and i'm gonna come back and do my solo dining experience this is all in the industry on heritage radio network of men and women who shed not only their clothes, but also their... Okay, welcome back to All the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. It's time for my solo dining experience. So this week, I went to Lolo's Seafood Shack. Here's the rundown. Location, 303 West 116th Street in Harlem, New York City. The concept, a seafood and snack shack where the Caribbean meets Cape Cod. The owners, Leticia Young and her husband, executive chef Raymond Mohan. Why did I go? Well, I went 
when I was up in Harlem for Harlem Eat Up after the event because I heard this was the spot for casual seafood eats. My experience. I entered the shack to find a short line of about five people waiting to order from the counter. I browsed the menu as I waited and noticed many nice press write-ups on the walls. took about 10 minutes to order, and then I was given a number to put on my table and told my food would be brought out to me. I took a seat in the back. What did I get? So everything sounded great. I went with the snow crab legs with cocoa curry sauce. My take. So fresh and wonderful and seriously messy. I was elbow deep in curry sauce, splattering all over my white blouse as I declawed the the crabs. The waitress has brought me some gloves to use, which I didn't use, and wet naps, which I did use. A bib would have been more helpful, which apparently they have, but it was too late for me. I was just in it. The ambiance. A a very casual, low-key vibe with picnic tables and an intimate patio area. Perfect for seafood and Caribbean street food in a chilled ambiance or for takeout. Interesting tidbit, Lolo's is named after the open-air barbecue restaurants that dot the beaches and roadsides of St. Martin. Personal fun fact, I have never used so many napkins while it's dining solo, and it was fun getting dirty and being in my own zone. The cost was $20, not including tax and gratuity. Would I go back? For sure. And if anyone wants to get messy with me, let me know. Website is lolosifuchak.com. So there, that was my messy solo dining experience of the week. Now, Brady, it's time for the final question. So my next guest is Amanda Bourne. She is the author and creator of The Bourne Explorer, The Art of Fruitful Discovery, A Personal Journey Through Food, Travel, Culture, and Community. So, Brady, can you ask a question for Amanda? Yes. If she were to go back to one place and spend three months of her life to find her new journey, where would she go and why? Awesome. I like the question. And I'm curious to see what she says. So, okay. Thank you so much. And that's the show. All right. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. I I look forward to seeing you out in Colorado. And um, congratulations on all of your success with with Koshan Five 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 and everything you've been doing. I mean, it's 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 really um, they're tremendous events. And I think you know you have a good mission, and um, it's just impressive. So um, I just wanted to congratulate you. Thank you very much, and thank you for so much for putting us on, and I'll look forward to seeing you on Thursday at Heritage Fire, if not before. All right. Cool. Thanks. Cool. See you. Bye. So my guest today has been Brady Lowe, founder of Koshan 555. So website is koshan555.com. You can find him on social media at Brady Lowe, at Koshan555, at Heritage BBQ, at Chef's Course, and at Piggy Bank Org. All websites tie back to what they are doing. My social media is at Sherry Bayer, at Bayer PR, at All Industry. My Facebook page is All in the Industry. My websites are BayerPublicRelations.com and SherryBayer.com. Now, because I'm traveling next week and uh, I'm going not going to be here next week, I'm also taking two weeks off of shows just because i got a lot going on with work. So 
My next live show with Amanda is going to be in three weeks. It's going to be on Wednesday, June 29th, 4 p.m. In the meantime, you can always check our archives. All of our shows are on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We're on Stitcher. We're on iTunes. I would like to give a shout-out to Jack Inslee, who is or was the executive producer here at Heritage Radio Network, who is leaving to follow some new pursuits. And Jack has been the engineer of my show um, for a really long time and just a great supporter and awesome radio voice. He does a lot of our our, um, sponsorship ads here, and um, he's just a great guy. So I wish him the best. Also, thanks to my engineers, David and Piert, who are here today, and again to Brady. So I'm Sherry Bayer. I'll be back in three weeks. Till then, uh, stay cool, and thank you for being part of All in the Industry. Bye. for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. What's down that road?